This one here that we're gonna play this is, like, is like stupid new. Alright? Just stupid new. <laughs> we're just gonna play it because what the hell, why not, right? Right. You guys wanna hear a stupid ass new song, right? Yeah! Cool. It's a little different, but it's fun. Yeah. 
general shit that you shouldn't be letting your kids intake. Be advised, viewer discretion is recommended. Proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. If it's Thursday, it's I'm No Joe. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of appropriate age, to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like Eddie Bravo. Today, like some days, uh, the kid is running late as he want to do with this new job that he's at. Uh, I understand craziness happens, uh, but we've got Golf T here with us to kick things off. How are you doing this fine evening, sir? Hanging in by a thread today, man. Trying to toe the line between being an adult and going to prison yeah yeah i i do i do know that feels Good um, times. I, I do want to say before we get into anything uh punchy kicky recappy shit talky shenanigany i do have to say uh i shared it in our uh our group chat um i think we can officially let the fans know now uh, if you guys weren't aware just yet, you are officially tuned in to a podcast, Too Hot for OnlyFans. 
That's right, boys and girls, on a website where you can quite literally pay to see people fist themselves with plastic baby arms talking about sanctioned MMA bouts is against company guidelines. We have officially been deactivated. I will be removing the link from all I'm No Joe social media. Uh, I quite literally was told that in our talking about and critiquing sanctioned professional MMA bouts, we are encouraging violence on a website that you quite literally pay for amateur pornography on. So that being said, we are looking into getting a subreddit going, fuck only fans, they can suck my dick. We're too raw for OF, boys and girls, uh, in case you didn't understand we gets into it around here on the I'm No Joe podcast. So much so, the compliance team at OnlyFans deemed us a threat to a pornography site. <laughs> Just saying, you know what? Subreddit, way to go, man. I mean, and I talked about this with RJ a little bit. Uh, we had already planned to do some exclusive content for that OnlyFans, aside from all of our regular shows had already been going up there the day after we go live in video format. Uh, we had talked about actually doing some exclusive content just for the OnlyFans page. Uh, now that that is not a thing, uh, we are most likely still going to go forward with said content that we were talking about, but we're just going to put it up on the Patreon because it was going to be for free anyway, this way you can literally pay a dollar to see it. And either way you're supporting the show, that's too hot for OnlyFans. What are you going to do? <sighs> that being said, though, uh, let's get into a little punchy, kicky talk as we like to do around here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, as we often do around here, I like to start things off with a little bit of a recap from last weekend's craziness here. Um, seeing as how we've got less to talk about on that side, we'll talk about the Bellator craziness that went down last week first. Um, the prelims were actually pretty decent. Um, they don't really get a lot of hype because Bellator prelims quite literally generally have people that even most hardcores would struggle to find a lot of information on uh, or be familiar with. So I, I get it that they're not really promoted that much. That being said, they were pretty goddamn good last weekend. Um, the Henry Corrales fight, uh, Parubchen, Parubichen, I'm not sure how the fuck to say his name. Uh, Henry Corrales beat the shit out of that fucking dude until he just dropped him. You could see several times when Corrales connected, dude would quite literally flinch his whole body and you could see he couldn't hide the pain anymore. And then the end came and it was like, dude, yeah, props for being tough, but tough don't win your fights, man. Um, you you got to have a little bit of skill and Henry Corrales has got some fucking hands, man. Um, that being said, um, we to the surprise of pretty much no one who's paying attention, did not surprisingly get our history-making first evening where a husband and wife fight on the same card and both get the fucking win. Um, ironically enough, uh, Lady Hendo fought a 0-2 soup can and got a submission 40 seconds in. Who to fucking thunk it? Uh, meanwhile, uh, Benson got in there and just got fucking handled. 
uh, brutally, brutally so at that. So props to Lady Hendo. I do have a feeling, though, once she gets another fight or two into her career in Bellator, she's going to find that the learning curve gets real steep real fast. Um, that being said, the thing that the combat sports world has been talking about all week Corey literally flatlined Ryan Bader in 54 seconds. Just shut his shit the fuck down with beautiful efficiency. Um, the overhand right, you see him, and it's ironic. I, I have to say is ironic because in the last, I would say, six months even, just in the last six months, we have seen probably half a dozen, maybe more big finishes come specifically because one of the two fighters leans in to throw a sweeping overhand one side or the other, and in doing so, leaves their face wide open in an off-balance position and gets fucking clocked for it and put down or hurt or starts a fight-ending sequence. And Corey Anderson managed to do the complete opposite of that. He caught Ryan Bader slipping as he leaned forward to throw his left jab. And when he did so, Corey stepped right around it and just fucking drilled him right in his giant funky shaped fucking head and sent his goofy ass right fucking down to the canvas. It was quite fucking beautiful. Um, I have to say, I like Julius Anglicus, but there was no fucking part of me that thought he was going to stand a chance against Nemkov. I give him absolute credit for holding on as long as he did and doing as well as he did because Nemkov really just made that look like a fucking heavy sparring session. That really didn't even look like a fight. Like there's a reason he was an alternate to the whole tournament and Nemkov was the belt holder coming into the Grand Prix, now going into the finals, still fucking holding that belt. So I give him credit for stepping in there, but uh, uh, we all kind of knew Nemkov was going to take that one and fucking run away with it. And sure shit, and he fucking did. Um, that being said, I think Corey Anderson versus Nemkov in the finals, which they're, they're aiming to get in January or February, assuming um, Nemkov gets healed up because Corey took like a half a shot to the cheek roughly uh nemkov did you know have to go through four and a half rounds of, of legitimate fighting because you know anglicus didn't give him that fucking win I'll, I'll give him that for sure uh but uh he didn't take a ton of damage so they're saying uh, ideally january february starting 2022 off with the finals of this fucking light heavyweight grand prix which legitimately i feel is gonna be a good fight um it's a little bit ironic. I kind of feel like Nemkov got this belt and has held it in a very, uh, let's say, Khabib-esque manner. Uh, not saying he doesn't have hands. He, he can hit like a motherfucker, but he's definitely a little bit of a wrestlefucker, uh, to put it mildly. Um, the ironic bit there is that's almost Corey's literal fucking go-to textbook game plan every fight. Uh, he literally has changed his fucking slogan to ground and pound. Like he wants to wrestle fuck you and then punch you in the head until you tap out or get fucking stopped by the referee. Uh, so when like aggressive wrestling versus like stall out wrestling meets, 
I'm hoping, and I've been wrong before, I'm willing to admit that I've been wrong before, but I'm hoping that this will be one of those weird situations where we have a wrestler and a wrestler and they strike the whole goddamn time or till someone gets knocked the fuck out. Um, I know Corey would be down for that. He's still going to throw a fucking takedown attempt in there in between some shots, but he's, he's willing to stand Nemkov. I don't know, but he also hasn't really been put up against another pressure wrestler, wrestler, excuse me, live words, uh, like Corey Anderson. Cause you know, damn well, at some point, Corey's going to go for your fucking leg. There's no question about it. Um, so the stall wrestling versus the aggressive wrestling could be a weird, boring as fuck fight. It could also kind of subliminally trigger them into let's just stand and bang this the fuck out wrestling be damned. Because uh, Corey literally said two weeks ago that if he manages to get this belt at 205, he's most likely going to turn around and come after Bader's heavyweight belt. Because uh, Bader talked a lot of shit about being the best 205er in the world while not holding the 205 belt, but kind of offhandedly holding the heavyweight belt right now. So I, I get I get that. Uh, it really kind of makes you think of that Michael Jackson, or Michael Jackson, the Michael Jordan meme. Corey Anderson just, and I took that personal. Like... <laughs> Um, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a fun fight. I, I don't think it's going to take Nemkov long to heal up. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. But uh, overall, decent, decent event by, by Bellator, for sure. Um, I, I like to see, and I know it sounds weird because I, I definitely sing the praises of the UFC much more, uh, but I do like to see when Bellator gets a chance to put on great fucking events like this. Cause legitimately as an overall card, that Bellator card was much better than the fucking UFC card last weekend. Um, in terms of like big bang value. No, the UFC got them. There was, there was much more notable big bang shots, uh, fight ending sequences like that on the UFC side. But as a whole, I definitely think Bellator was a more consistent product last weekend. That's the way I'll put it. Uh, that being said though, that fucking UFC card, man. <clears throat> um, we didn't really talk a whole lot about it last week because I wasn't really sure it was warranted, honestly. Um, and I'm kind of glad we didn't because we were proven right in thinking to not bring it up. But Estela Nunez was a former one FC fighter who just fought for the uh, strawweight belt or bantamweight belt over there because they're 10 pounds heavier with the hydration rules. Different topic. Uh, Nunez <laughs> just fought uh, a couple months ago for the belt in one FC in the quote unquote controversial decision that was reviewed internally that we talked about um, and then was upheld as a, a legitimate loss. Um, she said flat out that she felt disrespected by 1FC and that she welcomed the chance to come show the world uh, what they were missing out on in 1FC by bringing her talent to the UFC to shine. And then she got flat out worked and submitted by Carnalosi. Um, Carnalosi flat out looked like a fucking pit bull from the fucking start. She just went in and held you could see her fucking muscles on her back just locked in ready to fucking go from the second that fight started till she managed to end it um absolute fucking beautiful show um 
she proved to me and I think a lot of the world why 1FC was not heartbroken when she decided to part ways and, and come play over in the UFC territory. Um, I don't see her getting kept around long if she does this again, because I don't think you can really get, and I don't mean this to sound as backhanded as it's going to be, but Carnalosi is low on the rankings for a re or low on the totem pole rather for a reason. She's not in the rankings for a reason. She just doesn't have the experience. So if somebody that far down the new list for UFC folks can handle somebody as easily as she just did, who just fought for a belt in an organization a few months back, it kind of solidifies the thought that, nah, sweetheart, you, you probably did legitimately lose that fight in 1FC, and you're going to be lucky if they give you another fight in the UFC. You may end up in Elite FC by the end of the year if you don't quit fucking around. Um, that being said, uh, we got to see an interesting turn of events in the return to the UFC for another run of Brandon Davis. Unfortunately for him, uh, Bat Garel in two minutes and one second decided, no, 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 this is my time to shine and just knocked him the fuck out. Um, literally fucking leveled him completely down. Um, most likely going to lead to a second separation from the UFC for Brandon Davis, I think. And, you know, as much as I hate to see it happen, much like in the Nunez situation just before this, if you show that you're not on the level, there's no reason at this point to keep bringing you back around again. Sorry, man. Uh, it sucks, but I have a feeling you're getting walking papers this coming week. Um, that being said, regardless of the outcome, um, Lupe Godinez did, in fact, take the record from uh, Kamzat Chemaev for the fastest turnaround in UFC history. She fought two Saturdays ago turned around on short notice and took the fight last Saturday against Luana Carolina, showed up, made weight, and went three fucking rounds. Um, hats off, first and foremost. That's tough. That's insanely tough to even think about doing. Um, luckily, she was in good shape coming into the first fight, and it was a fairly quick match, so it was easier for her to do this, but... That being said, there are still levels to this game. And even though she was able to make a seven-day turnaround, Luana Carolina really didn't have much trouble with her anywhere that fight went in the three rounds that the fight did last. Um, it's awesome that she was able to, to stay in relatively good enough shape to do that seven-day turnaround, but there's a reason why even Kamzat doesn't do week by week. Uh, Cowboy needs at least a couple weeks in between fights for a reason. Um, even if it's quick, <clears throat> excuse me, you still want to give the body a little time to recuperate, recover, and then get back after it. And when you don't, we, we saw how that goes. Uh, that's the being said. Uh, the quote-unquote premier prelim fight. Uh, 
Andrew Sanchez set a new personal best for takedowns in this match. But in the process of doing so, he got, I believe the total end count was five nut shots on Bruno Silva that just in the end clearly pissed him off to the point where he was done trying to be a sportsman about it. And he just knocked Sanchez the fuck out. Um, it was a weird fight. It, it really was a weird fucking fight. Like he had no answer for the takedowns, but Sanchez also couldn't hold him down. And every time they got back to the feet and Silva cracked him, it affected Sanchez notably. And then after the nut shots started adding up, you could tell the temper was starting to flare and the shots were getting harder. And then, you know, good night, sweetheart. At the end of the great, end of the game, you only poked the bear so many fucking times you're going to get bit. Uh, oh, that was the other thing uh, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in a match where Silva was taken down a record number of times by his opponents and that he tried zero submission attempts after which his coach gave him his fucking black belt in the ring in quite literally one of the worst displays of jujitsu we have seen in a hot fucking minute this guy in getting taken down for 15 fucking minutes earned a black belt somehow so there's that, I suppose. Um, but once that was all said and done, that brought us into the main card. With all the fuckery that led into last week's card being produced, period, uh, we got the gracious gift from the MMA gods of the show's favorite, Nate, the Nate Train Landweir, bumped right up to the opening fight on the main card. Uh, and much to the chagrin of all the fucking hype pushers on Ludovic Klein, for some fucking reason, uh, Nate went in there, did fucking work, and then ended up beating Klein via submission, which was supposed to be Klein's fucking specialty. Um, the Nate train rolls on, boys and girls. Uh, Nate used beautiful fucking setups to lead himself into that fucking choke that just ended the fucking evening for Mr. Klein. So, choot, fucking choot, the Nate train goes on. Um, that being said, um, I don't think Manon Firo is quite as good as we might have thought she was. Um, we got a strong impression that she kind of um, for lack of a better analogy, found a combo that she can hit real easy and button mashes with it. Uh, she throws a real nice one-two counter, but she doesn't set it up and she doesn't throw it, or she throws it rather in the exact same way. Every fucking time you can see it coming a mile away, she throws it with full force, but it's, it's almost all she throws. There's kicks mixed in, but when it comes to actual striking, it's almost every single time a basic one-two straight down the fucking pipe. And her head stays in the center line when she does it, so it makes her very fucking hittable in the process. Um, this is another match where uh, Silva was kind of only headhunting, and she had every right to, as robotic as Firo seemed to be. But 
in doing so, she let Firo land so fucking many more shots, whether they were hard or not. At the end of the night, if you give it to the judges and they're just looking at numbers and she blows you out of the fucking water, there's a strong chance those judges are going to give it to her. Guess what? They fucking did. Um, I, I don't think that either one of them looked terribly fucking impressive, but uh, like I said, when you button mash the same fucking combo over and over, you leave yourself open to whatever the fuck may happen. Um, that being said, though, uh, will lead us into one of the, quite frankly, just mwah, chef's kiss fucking moments of the evening. Uh, Jim fucking Miller, boys and girls. If you don't know, now you fucking know. Uh, one of the toughest motherfuckers in the UFC, period, weight class be damned, went in against this young, hungry motherfucker who clipped him and caught him. And for a minute there, it was fucking questionable. It was scary. Jim got fucking hit hard, and you could see it fucking hurt. And he came through, and he weathered the fucking storm, and he got himself fucking calm and composed, and he got back to Jim's game. And Gonzalez just wasn't fucking ready for it, man. Um, he dropped that motherfucker in the very goddamn beginning of round two, 14 fucking seconds into the second round. Jim was like, no, no, we're done. Bink, and it's fucking over. Just absolute beautiful fucking dropped him with a clean ass shot. Jim fucking Miller, boys and girls. Um, we are quite literally not even going to talk about the co-main event because it fucking sucked. Um, I get that it was a unanimous decision victory, but I would call that a genuine double DQ, call it the fucking replay of Nganu Lewis. It was fucking horrible, man. Uh, Arlovsky could barely keep up with fucking very clearly outclassed technically Philippe. Um, it was a shit show, so fuck them both. That being said, the problem with that is the fucking main event was a five-round shit show. Uh, Aspen Ladd basically spent the entire fight letting Norma Dumont run the fucking show during the round and then letting her boyfriend slash coach yell at her in the corners, in betweens. Uh, it was a two-part fucking circus because she wasn't doing shit. Um, Dumont clearly had the advantage pretty much everywhere the fight went, but the fight fucking sucked. Uh, Aspen Ladd just wasn't doing shit. And to her credit, her coach was just bitching about her not doing shit and not giving her any constructive advice on what to fucking do what to watch for, what to try, what she should be going after or watching out against. Just, he literally kept saying, what are you doing out there? Waiting for some fucking tips, coach. So uh, it just for me, another example of why significant others in a work environment like combat sports is a bad idea. Uh, 
I get that gym may be helping, gym time training may be helping, but actually in the fucking corner like that, I think it's a bad move, and it looked bad. So we'll see. I, I don't think it's going to be the end for either one of those ladies, um, but it sucked. It fucking sucked as a main event. Um, the really shitty part for me is that it gave us another one of those fucking nights where they don't give anyone fight of the night bonus and they give away four performance of the night bonuses so that it, it saturates the pool with performance of the nights and makes the fight of the night bonuses that much more rare where it, they're supposed to be equal for every fucking show and they're not. That being said, <clears throat> excuse me, I do understand the four that they gave the bonuses to. Uh, first and foremost, Jim fucking Miller earned his goddamn bonus and i believe that ties him for third all-time bonuses as well so he's like literally tap dancing on the door him and cerrone are just back and forthing with the most fights most finishes most bonuses like the, those three uh, those three categories rather are just cerrone and jim fucking miller going back and forth um Jim Miller now approaching his 40th fucking fight. So that's going to be cool too. He's looking to set that shit up. Um, the other one they gave it to was fucking Nate, the great, or excuse me, the Nate train Landweir. Our boy got himself a fucking bonus. Uh, Bat Garrell got himself a fucking bonus with that fucking stoppage. Uh, and then Silva got a bonus. And that one, I know about. I think that might be a little sketch, but you know, whatever. It's the UFC's money. UFC gonna do what the UFC gonna do. That being said, that'll bring us into our news and recent events segment. And boy, oh boy, do we have a doozy of a news segment this week. There has been some crazy shit happen in the last seven days since we spoke to you fine folks last. Let me tell you. First and foremost, before we even get into it, the headliner for this weekend's upcoming UFC Vegas, I think it's 42. I think it's 42. We'll call it 42 for now. If I'm wrong, I'll fix it later. <laughs> but this weekend's card, um, we got announced Wednesday morning that Paulo Costa showed up at the UFC PI at 214 pounds and just said flat out, I'm not going to be able to make middleweight by Saturday. There's no chance. I just can't do it. Can we make this a catchweight? To his credit, uh, Vittori verbally agreed that you know if you can't make middleweight like we originally signed the contract to fucking do we will agree and we will give you a 195 pound catch weight to which costa tried to counter well why don't we just make it at light heavyweight and then remove the option of a missed weight fine purse uh, removal be a man take the fight at any weight costa said 
he wanted to go up to 230. He said, I'll fight Vittori at 230 pounds. I don't care. What is he scared of? Maybe that you signed a contract to fight at 185 pounds and all of a sudden want to fight him at 230, you clown. Um, that being said, we've got a catch weight of 195 pounds, and I honestly don't know if Costa is even going to be able to make it to 195 fucking pounds. There's a legitimate chance he's going to miss the catch weight that he requested because he a week out had already missed the fucking contracted weight that he signed up to fight at with 18 months out of the goddamn octagon to do it. So we've already got a circus in town for this coming weekend before we even actually get to this coming weekend. 10 to um, 1 odds says he misses weight and they cancel the bout. Well, I was going to say. Vittori is a different kind of person. He, he might just say fuck it and fuck him up just because of that. Yeah, and as there, much there as I hate chance. that fucking goony looking motherfucker. I'm telling you. I hope he whips Paula Costa's ass for this one. Just beat I, I, the I, shit out of him, stomps a mud hole in him and walks it dry. Yeah, I, I'm willing to give him a weekend pass whether dipshit McGee puts the fucking wine down for the next 24 hours so he can even come close to making this catch weight or not. I'm willing to give Vittori a weekend pass and he can take the hobbits to Isengard for all I fucking care. Um, just stop this fucking moron for all of us fans who give a shit. Um it's, it's still not going to get you back to getting your ass whipped again by Adesanya, but it will make the fans like you just a fucking little bit. And you could really use that right now. You really could. Um, that being said, um, <sighs> such a shit show. Um, we also found out yesterday that we know we knew, excuse me, going into it that there was a real slim fucking chance that Kevin Lee was going to get around D-Rod. Uh, we knew that there was a real slim chance he was going to get around Sean Brady to begin with. But then when Sean Brady got pulled last minute and D-Rod stepped up like a fucking soldier on short notice and stepped up and said, I'll fucking do it. And we kind of had a suspicion. We know what D-Rod's capable of, I feel. Um, we had a suspicion going in. He was going to get his ass whipped. Well, apparently Kevin had a suspicion he was going to get his ass whipped as well because ever since of February 2020, he was diagnosed with ADHD and prescribed Adderall. Hasn't had a problem with it because he's been on the sidelines for the most part. Coming back in as a professional fighter of nearly a decade, uh, he knew goddamn good and well that he needed to get his doctor a therapeutic use exemption so he doesn't get flagged because Adderall is a banned substance without a prescription. It can be considered a performance, performance enhancing supplement if it's not something you're prescribed by a doctor for symptoms that it pertains to. It's a prescription pill, it can be abused. I get it. That being said, with someone who's had a prescription for it for over a year, Knowing damn well it's on the fucking banned substance list unless you got a prescription, Kevin Lee did not, excuse me, not only, there's two parts to that, not only 
did not apply for a therapeutic use exemption for the Adderall, which he knew he should have, would have been granted and would have alleviated this entire situation. But two, the really bad part, the reason that they're giving him a full hearing on this infraction, November 17th, is because not only did he not file for his therapeutic use exemption, like he fucking knew he should have, sketchy, but that on top of the fact that his levels found in his sample are more than double what they should have been based on his prescription dosage shows you that he was literally dosing his own Adderall going into the fight. They tested both samples consistently with nearly double the level of the prescribed amount of Adderall he was supposed to be taking and didn't purposefully get his fucking therapeutic use exemption for so not only did he get his ass whipped but he was jacked the fuck up when it happened and still got his ass whipped so now on top of being a sore loser and sitting on the sidelines with that big fucking l hanging over his goddamn head he's also temporarily suspended until his full fucking hearing where they could suspend him for up to five fucking years for a knowledgeable infraction like this so where kevin lee might fit into all of this very well could be the fucking sidelines forever He's not Nick fucking Diaz. And even Nick Diaz, when he came back after all that fucking time, wasn't Nick Diaz anymore. Kevin Lee's hopes of fucking coming back to MMA ever, if he catches a five-year or more ban because he knowingly jacked himself up on Adderall and still got his ass whipped, are nil to fucking nil. He's done. It's over. That's the end for Kevin Lee if they hit him with the fucking ban hammer this time. I can't say that I'm fucking sad. Like, if you're that fucking desperate that you're going to TJ yourself and get caught when you could have literally had your doctor get you a fucking paper that would have allowed you to do it, you idiot. I can't feel bad for you. You're dumb, and you're going to get what your stupidity has wrought. Sorry. so that's how that works yeah like you're too stupid to be stupid like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) that's a case of born retarded can't fix it yeah like i it hurts my brain just thinking about that fucking story like you idiot (sighs) but that being said we also got confirmation from the ufc that they will be complying and informing all of the UFC's fighter roster top to bottom that as of November 8th, the United States has officially issued travel restrictions based on vaccination. If you are traveling into or out of the United States of America after November 8th, you must, period, no if and or but, be vaccinated and have a negative test within three days of departure. The UFC basically advised all of its overseas fighters that they are not ever going to issue a mandate like that in the UFC. However, 
if you are averse to being vaccinated under a mandate like that, your only other option is to travel to the United States before November 8th. You must get here before then to be exempt from that rule. And there are no options around it. So there's your choice. You're not going to have to be mandated by the UFC unless you have to come in to the United States. That being said, Dana's very predictable fucking response to that was, we are looking at opening Fight Island up again this summer because it's easier for us to get everyone there regardless of their stance on vaccination. So apparently they're trying to do it bigger than they've ever done it before, which is always crazy to hear from Abu Dhabi. But as long as we get something more fight island than we got last fucking time give us some fucking palm trees on the goddamn beach it's already 130 degrees so just make the fucking tent black on the inside and fucking project the beach like give us something here like if you're gonna call it fight island god damn it dana throw us a fucking bone at this point but uh, that being said, the, the mandate is obviously motivating Dana, and they are putting Fight Island back together in Abu Dhabi. So this summer, look forward to lots more time over there. Oh, yeah, so it's definitely said, coming. We're going to get some yeah. weird hour cards, too, because of it, I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's going to make for some weird fucking timed fights for us here in the U.S., Um, that being said, a um, little bit closer to home, uh, back in Vegas, November 13th, Jessica I is officially out. She has been hospitalized. She's having some serious health issues, but Cynthia Calvillo has officially stepped in to take on Andrea KGB Lee for that fight. Um, interesting short notice turnaround. Uh, Calvillo could definitely use the win. Um, I think it's something she could actually pull off because Lee's not really that talented. Um, I think she could actually get this one if she's legitimately prepared for it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Uh, we did get some interesting news from the Bellator side of the house. Um, we talked about it a little bit ago when it got confirmed. Kyoji Horiguchi officially signed with Bellator when his rising contract was up and has signed back into that same division in Bellator, well, we had a feeling, and our feeling was correct. Our hunch was right on the goddamn money. Sure enough, they have confirmed it. Uh, the Bellator 272 card, December, uh, oh, excuse me, December 3rd. I almost said December 4th. December 3rd, um, Kyoji Horiguchi versus Sergio Pettis for the belt that, Horiguchi never technically lost. Uh, he just had to let go because he couldn't get back over here physically uh, because of the situations happening in the world. Uh, but now he is in Bellator. He is here and he is coming back for his belt. Uh, I think it is going to be very interesting. I've said it time and time again, and I will continue to say it. I still firmly believe Sergio is the Pettis brother with the legitimate talent. I get that everyone knows Anthony and that Showtime was the flashy one. I don't give a shit. Uh, I, I am still a firm believer that Sergio is the one who actually has 
the goddamn talent. So that being said, Horiguchi is no fucking walk in the park. He had that goddamn belt for a reason. Um, this is going to be what I feel legitimately could be the genuine hardest fight Sergio Pettis has ever had to take. Uh, and, and I think it might be the other way around for Horiguchi. I, I think this might have been one of the easier matchups for him style-wise. I, I think realistically he might be able to come back and just snatch this goddamn belt. And I love Sergio fucking Pettis, but Horiguchi is just faster, stronger cleaner like he is the fucking six million dollar man like he is everything to the nth degree and now he's back for what he already held so that's some serious fucking motivation Uh, it's going to be a real goddamn good fight i'm kind of excited to see how that one plays out too um that being said where do we go uh the december 4th card that's why i almost got it mixed up we did get an announcement for the december 4th card um Leonardo Santos coming back off of the shakeup of his undefeated streak to try and get back into the win column. The problem for him is that he is stepping in there against the one and only Carpenter, Clay fucking Guida. Um, That is going to be a crazy fucking matchup. They are clearly not throwing Guida any fucking easy fights. Uh, Santos had worked his way through the division pretty fucking fairly before he got interrupted. Um, that being said, they're not giving Santos an easy route back to fucking uh, promiscuity in the division with fucking Clay Guida either. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that one gets played out. Um, next, we got a pair of fight announcements here for the January 15th card. Um, the first one, the rematch that no one wanted to see, which is apparently the theme for uh, this go around of announcements with the UFC. Jennifer Maya versus Caitlin Chukagian, too, will take place at January 15th's card. Yank, fuggity yank. Uh, the interesting part about that is that that was the B-side announcement to Joaquin Buckley getting back into the octagon against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, who has been cleared of his charges and we can now root for again. Um, that being said, that's a crazy fucking matchup. Those boys are both Big time fucking swingers uh, could be asleep in one of those gentlemen's future for that evening. In my opinion, I think somebody's going to sleep. Um, that being said, we got a couple of not quite as fun announcements here. And I did say one good piece of news, so we don't completely end it on a shit show here. Um, but again, I try and cover all the things that are relevant here, whether they're happy or not. Um excuse me not that it was necessarily predictable but it's also sadly not necessarily surprising at this point um we have gotten confirmation that over the weekend conor mcgregor has once again punched someone outside of the fucking ring this time hitting italian dj uh so it's i'm not going to butcher his name some you can look the the name up if you just look Connor punches DJ if you want to see it. I'm not going to fuck that name up. It's too fucking crazy. Probably one of uh, the but, buddies. Yeah, he, uh, but he's a, a famous DJ in Italy, and Connor, you know, as you do, was in Rome because he was getting his child christened at the Vatican, you know, as you do, and went to an after party with his significant other D, and apparently. In going from this after party to a secondary after party, 
there was some kerfuffle about who was going and who wasn't. And Connor punched the DJ who the apparently triggered the nightclub to flicker the lights so that the assault wouldn't be witnessed by the women. Um, and then Connor basically was taken away and the DJ, he says, was held against the wall while Connor and his entourage were escorted out. Um, then he posted some pictures on his Instagram stories of a busted lip. Uh, looks like somebody punched him in his fucking mouth. I, I get it. Um, but he says that Connor broke his nose and shattered his jaw. There's no broken nose in the picture. His jaw is clearly not shattered. He got a, a busted lip because you got popped in the fucking mouth. I, I get it. Um, but he has officially filed charges. Uh, Connor McGregor apparently is about to be summoned. The nightclub said that they have turned over the videotape that they do have of the incident to the police who will be using it accordingly, I'm assuming. Um, not that we needed another reason for Connor to be fucking up, but he gave us one. The weird thing, though, is that I'm not 100% sure this is going to really stick to him over in Italy any more than the bullshit he's involved with over here will, will ever stick to him here. Uh, he never got any charges for the MGK bullshit. Uh, he got out of the old man. Uh, he paid off the fucking phone. Uh, he, he is the uh, archetype for the John Jones behavior. Uh, th there's a reason that John Jones gets away with as much as John Jones does, and it's because people see Conor McGregor get away with as much shit as Conor McGregor gets away with. And here we are once again talking about Conor McGregor fucking up again in a weird fucking situation where there were probably substances involved, just like John fucking Jones. Surprise, surprise. Um, I don't yeah. know if this one's going to stick either, but it, at this point, uh, it's also making it look a lot more like he may not get back to the octagon. Uh, he he's not looking uh, motivated, should we say, uh, to get back to fighting. He's, his interests seem to lie other words right now. This is what happened. Look, I'll, I'll say this, and I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off, but this is my personal opinion because we've seen it time and time again. You take somebody out of a bad situation you put them into the spotlight and give them lots of fucking money. And I mean, just lots of fucking money. They act like absolute fucking donkeys lose their fucking mind because they were pulled out of this. We'll say bad situation is what I'm going to call it. Cause I don't want to offend anybody or piss off the wrong crowd here. You know, fuck it. You pull somebody who thinks they're a thug out of the fucking hood or fucking ghetto or whatever they call it in fucking Ireland. Right. I don't fucking know. And you all of a sudden give them all of this fame, all this money. That shit that they were doing down in their fucking hood, acting like a little gangster while they were trying to be a fucking plumber. That behavior does not go away because you give them money. That behavior amplifies because they have money and then go, you know what? Fuck it. Just pay for it whatever, and wash their hands of it. That's why he gets away with as much as he does. Now, on the other hand, you've got uh, John Jones there, who he doesn't have as much money as fucking Conor McGregor does. Not by a long shot. So that's why shit's starting to catch up to him a lot quicker than it is to fucking Conor. 
Connor's got enough money that he can throw at people to just white wash that shit away. So just saying. Well, that and and the difference between John Jones money and Connor McGregor money is that John Jones is spending John Jones's money to be John Jones. Connor McGregor is at a Connor McGregor level of money where he's out partying on other billionaires' yachts. He's at the Gucci parties. He's at the Donatello Versace parties. He's partying on other rich people's time and money. He doesn't have to use his money. He can do whatever he needs to legal fee wise with that so that he doesn't get in trouble. He's partying on other rich people's money. Meanwhile, John Jones is just trying to use his money to party like the rich people. Yeah. There's some, there's some irony there. Granted, you know what? I'll say it. It's, Europe is a strange place when it comes to those types of things. Right. Where a lot of that shit in the States, that doesn't really always cohabitate. Because Rich people don't always hang out with rich people in the United right. States. Because right. generally they think somebody wants something from them. And, you know, right. whereas other parts of the world, oh, you're rich. Come hang out with us. We're rich, too. We'll foot the bill for this one. You know, but it, it maybe that's just from the outside looking in. That's what it looks like. But you don't generally see that too often stateside. That's all I'm saying. It's I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, uh, what was that old fucking show? Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Right, Robin fucking Leach, baby. Yeah, it's the same, the same kind of fucking concept. The rich yeah. people generally stick to themselves. They go to country clubs when they want to party together in the States. Right. It's not something that um, we're just going to throw a party and invite all these Private people. Invite only. Yacht. No, the yacht is mine. Fuck you. That's yeah. the Private un- invite only kind of shit. That's the, that's the U.S. mentality of things, whereas outside of the U.S., it's, oh, no. You're rich. Come party with me on my dime on my fucking yacht or in my mansion. You know, it's a it's a weird it's a weird. Um, and I say weird. It's not really weird. It's just there's a definite difference in the way Different dynamic dynamic and mindset of U.S. versus the rest of the entire world because we're a bunch of entitled cocksuckers here. And I'll say it. Uh, but yeah, he's. He's just got too much money to be able to throw away right now. That's the problem. And being as he's, even though he sold proper 12, he's still making money off of proper 12 and a lot of it. So at this point, there's nothing that they're going to do to him that's going to hurt him in any way where if he says, oh, I want to fight, Dana White's going to let him fight. Oh, yeah. He's still going to get the booking opportunity. Yeah, he'll get the booking opportunities and he's still going to make money and he's still going to make points off pay-per-view, even if he's not the main fucking fight on the card. But we can't have Connor without him having as the main on the card until he I mean, granted, look, he, he's lost three of his last four. The dude should not be a fucking main event right now. The only reason he's a main event is because money fucking well, talks. I, I, I would oppose that. I would say he absolutely should be a main event of a fight night at this point. Yeah. But the UFC will never really do that. Realistically, right now, Conor McGregor's best hope at a fucking main event should be a fight night. Yeah, but the UFC won't do it because they know they can make way more money off of a fucking... But that falls under that money talks and bullshit walks category, you know? Same concept. The dude's a... Look, 
I appreciate what Connor has done for the sport as far as bringing eyes to it because he's brought a lot of eyes to the sport. What he's done outside of the sport, not a fan of, not going to lie. I mean, dude has obvious knockout power, but look, I, I'm still a little iffy on this Italian DJ thing because, you know, as much power as we know Connor has, you only got a busted lip. I don't think it was Connor that hit him. It might have been somebody else in his entourage. That's what I said. I think it was one of Connor's buddies that hit him, and they saw Connor and immediately assumed it was him. And now he's trying to make a buck. Yeah, I'm going. It's it sounds uh, it sounds a little fishy to me because you know if Connor hits you, you're gonna fucking know it. You're gonna flatline. Well, and look at it this way: there are, I'm, and I'm not, I, I'm not trying to defend Connor in any way. No, not by any means. There are on record no less than a half a dozen professional title grade fighters who are open in saying Conor McGregor is the hardest I've ever been punched in my fucking life. And I've been fighting for 20 fucking years. That's it. That's when he's cutting weight, when he's down in fit shape, he is clearly out of competition. And I would be willing to bet pushing the fucking seams of every bit of 200 fucking pounds right now, 190 ish. But that cane ain't hiding them thick fucking thighs from a boy who can recognize him, son. He's he's not fit right now, to say the least. So a 200-pound Conor McGregor angrily and intoxicatedly, allegedly, throwing an angry fucking shot and clipping you right in the goddamn face? I have a hard time that that little fucking split on his lip was Conor as well. Yeah. I mean, if it was, that tells me that dude must have been sober as shit and had some lightning fast reflexes. <laughs> right, yeah. He dodged out of the way of all the power coming he, on that. He line. rolled with that fucking punch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he may weathered that shit for sure if that's how it actually went down. So I, I, I think there is some shenanigans in your foot, and I'm not I'm not backing Connor on this one. I want to make 100 percent clear of this. I I'm fully aware Connor does stupid shit like punching old men in bars. Believe me, I'm fully aware of that. So it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me that he did this. But the same way that the shit looks, it seems like there's some fucking fluffing going on there. Looks like a scene of a fucking 80s porn set. There's some fluffing definitely going on. And that's why I said I, I, I don't say this to defend Connor in any stretch of the imagination because he's clearly fucking up and I am open in making a point to calling him out when he fucks up because it doesn't get covered by a lot of the journalists, ironically enough. Um, I'm not afraid to say the dude that I fucking am a very big fan of as a fighter is a fuck up outside the octagon and is quite ritually at this point fucking up. But there, there is some, some fuckery afoot in this claim. I agree. Um, That being said, um, we got another not as fun piece of news here. Um, after we saw a little while back him get his knee bent in one of the most still fuck. I literally just got good. Excuse me, got goosebumps and then choked a little bit thinking about the fucking sight that just burned through my fucking retinas in the back of my eyeballs of Modestus Bukakis getting his fucking leg inverted by Khalil Roundtree, um, as if that wasn't bad enough. Uh, he is out of surgery. Everything went well. He is reco- expected to make a full recovery. Um, but the UFC just fucking cut him. Uh, why they waited till now 
I, I don't understand if they were going to cut him as soon as he got out of surgery and it was announced he was good. They should have been like, we're glad you're healed. We'll pay for the surgery, but uh, you're on your own from here out, champ. Why wait this long? That's just, that's mean, in my opinion. That's mean-spirited. There was no reason for that. Like, you're literally putting salt on a fucking wound here. Just do it. But, you know, UFC, so whatever. Um, then we got, uh, in the vein of people fucking up news, um, not one, but two people this week decided that they were going to be an ultra scumbag idiot and DM threats, open threats in one case, an open threat with a slew of vulgarities and fucking slurs of bigotry and all sorts of ignorant shit with open murder threats to follow. Um, that being Michael Graves, former UFC competitor, uh, ultimate fighter, can, uh, can, the words live, ultimate fighter contender and UFC competitor, uh, then turned elite FC fighter who then was denied any fucking claims once this shit went public. Uh, both he and then Tuesday night, John fucking Jones, of all the winners to jump on this fucking bandwagon, uh, tweeted, or excuse me, DM'd on Twitter, rather, uh, threats to MMA reporter Amy Kaplan, who is very public about openly sharing DMs that she gets from fighters. And she lets them know, I am not afraid to publish anything you fucking send to me. So don't think if you use vanish mode or whatever, that your shit talking will go unnoticed. There will be a record of it. And I will publicly call you the fuck out on it. I have no issue with that. She's got a long laundry list of it. If you look at her Twitter, she ain't afraid to show the dumb shit Fighters will fucking say to her for no fucking reason. Well, this week's winners were Michael Graves, who threatened to literally murder her, said he was standing on the street in her town on his way to her house with a dagger and a machine gun or a machete and a machine gun. Yeah, fucking idiot. Uh, but then John Jones decided to jump on this and said, don't ever talk about my family again. I'll come fucking end you or something to that effect. I don't remember the specifics of it because fuck him, scumbaggery. Uh, but both of these dipshits both did this to Amy Kaplan in the same week. And surprise, fucking surprise, the tweets and DMs are now all out on the internet for you to freely read as well. Don't take my word for it. See how much of a piece of shit both of these individuals actually are. What I want to know is why were neither one of those two fucking charged with that? With Yeah, with terroristic fucking threats or with a fucking assault or however they fucking do it. You've seen plenty of other people yeah, be arrested like for making threats on fucking... Yeah. Threatening someone's life generally comes with consequences. Why the police aren't stepping in in either one of those jurisdictions tells me the police are just yeah. the biggest shitbags they are. I agree. There's there's fuckery afoot, but the good news is, is that that record of both of those incidences will never go away now. So should they decide to get off their asses and actually follow up on the blatant fucking paper trail of evidence to crimes being committed by professional athletes, uh, here you fucking go. The neon flashing fucking arrows will lead the way, officers. 
Um, that being said, um, I said openly in the very beginning that I was 100% fucking skeptical and skeptical, excuse me, and that I called bullshit into the way that we were being told the things that were happening in this situation. There was more to the story or the story was not being reported as it actually happened. Uh, turns out I was 100 fucking percent wrong. And I am 100% willing to openly admit that I was wrong as fuck. And now we have the evidence out there to clearly display that. Uh, what I'm referring to here is the situation with Chuck Liddell and his domestic violence arrest a couple weeks back. The official records are now all out in the open. Uh, the police were called to Chuck Liddell's home because his daughter witnessed his excuse me, witnessed her mother slapping and scratching at Chuck Liddell while they were arguing in the kitchen. Uh, when he was taken into custody, Chuck Liddell was the only one of the two with multiple abrasions and bruises on his face and torso. Um, once he was released from custody on that arrest, Chuck Liddell immediately said that this was once again a situation where he had tried to shield his family from the public, but that the time of him doing that is over and that he is now officially filing for divorce from his wife. The divorce has officially been filed for and the paperwork from the evening events that lit, excuse me, led to the arrest of Chuck Liddell are now out and have confirmed Chuck's story all the way down the line. Uh, basically, uh, we don't know how long this has been going on, but we know for a fact that at least in this instance, this was 100% Mrs. Liddell attacking Chuck Liddell, and then Chuck actually talked the officers into taking him to jail instead of her that evening, so the story would not get out the other way around. Uh, it is all being let out in the open here, and it sucks that it has to come out this way, but in this situation, this is one of those odd catch-22s where this story would not have been believable ending in this fashion without all of the evidence being there to verify these statements because of how we've seen this go the other way so many fucking times. Um, that being said, it, it feels weird to say, but I'm glad that I was wrong about Chuck Liddell. Yeah, definitely. 100%. It's strange to say it's weird, but yeah, it, it, I'm glad that I was wrong. That being said, um, we got another piece of not quite as dim news, but definitely forehead fucking slapping. Um, immediately in the moments after, and then subsequently later on last week, um, initially, it was DC who tweeted that, uh, here we go, uh, the count for uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder, when Tyson Fury was down, he tweeted, I agree with Andre Ward, the count was crazy slow, he isn't supposed to stop counting to tell Deontay Wilder to go to his corner. Um, Joe Rogan then went out on his fucking podcast, as he likes to do, and said that, uh, that oh shit where'd it go i had it i had it here we go uh one of two things has occurred either this was a mistake and the guy made an error i think that's an error or it's corruption 
it's most likely an error because the guy was panicking. But if it wasn't from him panicking, then this was a sign of corruption. Well, as is required sometimes in this situation, Big John McCarthy stepped up to slap both of these fucking idiots back into their place. Um, Big John McCarthy has tweeted to both of them to let them know that no, you are incorrect. And this has subsequently been confirmed publicly by what the fuck is his name? Uh, Bob something or other, I can't find it right now. Uh, the commissioner of the uh, ABC, the official boxing commission. Um, and I quote, when a knockdown occurs, the downed boxer's opponent shall go to the furthest neutral corner and remain there while the count is being made. The referee may stop counting if the opponent fails to go to the neutral corner and resume the count where he or she is when the opponent finally reports to the corner or is returned to their neutral corner. It literally says in the official wording, if the referee has to stop counting because the fighter either won't go to or won't stay in their fucking corner while he counts, they are to stop counting, put them in their fucking corner like they're supposed to be, and then resume where they left off. It is literally written in the fucking rules. Not a new rule, an old rule. Been there for a long fucking time. Easy for either of the gentlemen who very publicly bitched about it to have looked into before they bitched about it. But, shocker, neither one of them did. Here we are laughing at both of them now. That being said. Um, one more good and bad one then we've got a good one to end it out. Um, so the bad is that we got word Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was back in the hospital and about to undergo emergency surgery. And it was very touch and go. They were not sure if he was going to make it. The good news is that the surgery was successful. He did make it, and he's already making a recovery in the hospital. As reported firsthand by none other than Jake the Snake Roberts. So great to hear from two fucking legends. Sad that it's under such weird circumstances. But again, compliment sandwich. Glad that in the long run, the surgery was successful. Hacksaw Jim is making amends is on the mend, making a recovery. Good fucking deal. Now, uh, to end on a positive note, we can, will, and do openly shit on the UFC a lot. It's not like they give us any shortage of reasons to do so. Granted, we probably could go lighter on them, but where's the fun in that? Uh, Dana's got lots of money and we don't care if he likes us or not. So fuck it. We're calling it like it is. So we shit on the UFC quite a bit around here, but there are those rare times where 
even when you see all the shit the UFC does and you kind of just expect them to stay in that UFC lane that they like to be in and be the pieces of shit that they can be, they surprise you. They come out of left field and they do something that you can't fucking help but just applaud and take your fucking hat off for. And the UFC did just that this week. Um, there was a promoter in Afghanistan who booked matches through an event or through a, uh, a organization, rather, a promotion that he helped establish to help grow MMA in Afghanistan to help bring more Middle East fighters into a organized sense and try and help get them into organizations like the UFC. They had worked with UFC several times before. Um well, when everything went down over there uh, last month, uh, the Taliban who had taken over essentially declared MMA illegal and anyone who had participated in it previously was immediately on a big time, oh shit list. The highest priority of those on that oh shit list being fighters and promoters and then their significant others and families subsequently as terrorists want to do. Um, immediately the fucking call went out. We need help because as you saw on the news, I'm sure there was a hard time getting out of Afghanistan when the shit started going downhill quickly. Uh, that was made even more so by people who were openly known to be wanted by the Taliban trying to get out of Afghanistan in that time. Um, that putting a specific spotlight on this promoter and a bunch of their fighters and their families. Well, uh, we got official confirmation as of, I believe, 8 p.m. last night, uh, 36 people total, including the promoter, six fighters, their wives or husbands, and all of their children have all safely been taken out of Afghanistan, are in safe territory in Abu Dhabi, en route to America to get the fuck out of there and to safety so they don't have to worry about that shit. In the process, they are also going to be giving a list of other fighters and promoters for the UFC and their allies to subsequently help get out of that fucking horrible situation. So regardless of all the stupid and fucking careless, horrible things that the UFC has and does do on a fairly regular basis, this is one of those moments where you have no choice but to tip your fucking cap at the very least because this is a hundred percent something that needed to be done and there were very few avenues to getting something like this done in the current climate of the world and that region specifically and the ufc went above and beyond to make sure to pull the strings and get it done and are actively still trying to help get more of them out and get things to a safe place for those in our world good the fuck on you because it was dana white apparently personally making a series of phone calls that got this initiated and got the ball rolling and got as many people involved as it did so you might be a piece of shit you might be a fucking scumbag and i'm sure the fuck not gonna quit but for right now I will tip my cap and give a fucking thumbs up to Dana White because that's a good fucking deed. And that's the kind of story I would much fucking rather have to take time out of my show every week to talk about 
than the previous 15 minutes worth of bullshit that we had to slop through to get here. That's all I got for news, though. You got anything I missed over there? Not in this case. There's nothing uh, that's worthwhile talking about right now. Yeah, the only the, the only thing I would have brought up, but you nailed it already, was the December third card with BKFC and Sergio. Was, you know, I thought that's probably the most newsworthy thing to me because. Sergio's finally going to have somebody who he actually has to fight over there. He's, and yeah, that, that's 100% right. He's going to have to fight. This isn't going to be one where he can look good or he can, you know, take it easy. Horiguchi is going to put it on him right away. As soon as that fucking bell rings, Horiguchi wants that fucking belt. He wants but it bad, and there's no fucking question. This will also be the fight that we see how good really is Sergio Pettis. Because if he mops the floor with fucking Horiguchi... That's going to say there's some definite levels to that game over there. and Right. I mean, we haven't yeah. had a chance to see him up against somebody of Horiguchi's stature yet. Because, well, to be quite honest, that weight division over in Bellator, kind of suspect. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's a little light in the pocket. I think it's a good way to put that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice way to do it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, that's what I said. I think this is going to be the toughest fight of, of Sergio's career yet. Um, I don't know if Sergio is going to be the toughest fight of Horiguchi's. That's, that's what I'm waiting to see. How is Sergio going to be able to respond to the pressure and the fucking clinical precision we know Horiguchi is going to bring? Like, Horiguchi is very Mighty Mouse-esque, and there's a reason that those two were so fucking similar-veined in their fucking primes early on um i'm i'm very curious to see how sergio does i, I want to cheer him on so bad but uh, my 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 heart tells me that that sergio can do it my brain is like dude horiguchi's gonna fuck him up <laughs> yeah so. it, 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 it's definitely gonna be a good one to watch for sure but apparently we got no kid this evening uh, i messaged him to see where he's at Still no response. So that being said, this is going to come to that point where the audio viewers are going to wonder why there's a little pause, but the video viewers will know that this is the point where we enter the pit. The sweet gift playing on the screen lets you know this is the point where we bring the I'm No Joe podcast to a little bit of a friendly competition standpoint where we get a chance to talk about some of the, the big fights coming up this weekend and a little bit of a uh, competitive back and forth, if you will. Uh, generally speaking, we usually have a third member here so that one of us can be the judge and referee, as it were, and the other two can battle it out for supremacy in the field of questioning of MMA fun. That being said, we do have a situation like this arise once in a while where there are, as Will Smith would say, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. So what we'll do is we will go back and forth and answer these questions. And since the kid is not here, 
he has homework to come back, watch him and give us his feedback on our answers next week as we run things down. So that being said, as we like to do around here for our opening round, round one question is, is quite simple. Um, we have four cards really this weekend in total. Um, tomorrow evening, we have LFA 116 with several ex-UFC fighters or former UFC fighters, depending on how you want to put it, uh, stepping in, including Dan Argueta from just this last season's Ultimate Fighter in the co-main event. Uh, Going to be an interesting card. Uh, kind of a, a lower, I don't want to say lower tier, I'll say lesser known organization with lesser known fighters more of a if you want to get a feel for mma these are some guys you can watch that you don't have to worry about their star power swaying the fight or the commentaries favor favoring one over the other be a good watch tomorrow night um saturday though saturday is when all the shit goes down um noon eastern saturday we start off with KSW 64 and none other than Mario Pudzianowski, the former world's strongest man, taking on Dube Bombardier, one of the scariest fucking heavyweights ever to step into a goddamn cage, and he's doing it in fucking Poland, so that makes him even crazier, in my opinion. I love it. I'm fucking for it. Going to be another one of those cards where you don't have a whole lot of name recognition. There will be a few names on there that a couple of the more hardcore fans will know, but this will be another one. If you want to get a feel for MMA, if you want to see what some of the non-UFC organizations can put forth, this is a damn good card to keep your eye on. That main event is going to be fucking insane. I'm telling you right now, two gigantic jacked up fucking heavyweights going head to head are going to create some fucking waves. Excuse me. That being said, uh, Saturday, a little bit later in the evening, uh, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, we have Bellator, they're calling it officially Bellator Fedor versus Johnson. Um, it is affectionately known as Bellator 269, but that'll be kicking off uh, early, early Saturday. And then Saturday evening, no, excuse me, same fucking time. I thought it was Saturday evening. I was wrong. Uh, 3 p.m. Central time, rather. Uh, so relatively same time. Uh, the UFC's main card will be kicking off over there in Vegas before they prepare next week to head over to Abu Dhabi so that the week after that they can come back and go to New York. And it it gets all complicated after this week. So we're just gonna we're just gonna focus on this week, folks. So basically, um, between the insane headline of the KSW card, the intriguing co-main in LFA, but really folks just worry about Saturday afternoon, the Bellator Russia 269 and the UFC taking the Hobbits to Isengard. I mean, uh, uh, Vegas 42, uh, Vittori versus Costa. So our round one question here, Bellator, UFC, where is our better co-main event this weekend? Is it Vitaly Nemkov versus Saad Sawa, or is it Grant Dawson versus Ricky Glenn? Uh, as the, I believe, let me check my notes here. 
so we called last week a draw. That's right. We called last week a draw. But that being said, uh, we'll give you the option if you would like to start this off or if you'd like to take the passenger seat on this roll. Before we get into that, um, I do want to know you let you know you did miss one. We've done this in the past. There is also um, PKFC Fight Night Wichita happening October 23rd, which is this Saturday as well, kicking off at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Damn, that is this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, Dave Rickles, Julian Lane. Yeah, I was going to say, it's the caveman versus the let me bang, bro. Um, Which, let me bang, man. I mean, they, they finally let him bang. And, and you know he keeps coming back. This it's it's the give, if you give a mouse a cookie situation all over again. You know they tried to warn us about this kind of shit when we were kids, and you don't fucking listen. And he said, "Let me bang, bro." And when you let him bang, he just wants to bang again and again and again. And now he wants to bang a caveman. Yeah. Oh yeah, just putting that out there. Um, but. To be quite honest, they're all to go into best call main event. They're all quite honestly fucking garbage. Between KSW, Bellator, UFC, to be quite honest, I'm more apt to fucking watch probably as much as I hate to say it, the KSW call main event. Sebastian Prezibi, and I'm always fucking that dude's name up. I don't know why that Polish name I cannot get past. And Bruno Santos, I'm more excited to watch that fight than I am any of the other fucking coming event fights. Like, just how the fuck did Grant Dawson and Ricky Glenn end up as a coming event? You could have put fucking Bruce Leroy up there on the UFC side of the house. At least he's got a name behind him and something somebody would recognize. Look. Unless those of you who watch regularly, you don't know who those guys are. And then, I mean, Tally Minikoff, great, but eh, fighting a no-name soup can. No, I... And I'm not even going to so, get into the BKFC shit. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I'll start mine off by saying it's definitely not the BKFC. Um, although, ironically, of them... The BKFC co-main event will probably be more exciting than the others. Um, but uh, I will say of the, the shit sandwiches that we're given and told to take a choice of, um, if I have to pick one, I'm going to take Vitaly Menikov versus Saeed Sawa. Um, this is another one of those situations where it's just fun to watch heavyweights fight sometimes. Uh, even, I, I guess the best analogy would be uh, heavyweight fights are like pizza. Uh, even when they're bad, there's worse options. Um, it, it's not the best thing in the world, obviously, but you're going to watch something. And, and you could watch paint dry, or you could watch some angry Wallace just fucking slap off each other. And you know which one's going to be more fun. It's paint dry, but you get more to talk about from the Wallaces. fucking terrible comments across the board like this week and it's just be kind of it's damned if you you don't that's why that's why i said early on in the show i i I almost want to apologize in advance because this weekend the silver lining is that 
this is the last shit show we get for a couple weeks. The next couple weeks in a row are going to be pretty fucking awesome. They're going to be jam-packed with awesome at that. But we've got to get through the shit show first. So, <laughs> so as fans of the show are, are probably going to recognize, uh, we generally start with the co-main event question because the follow-up to that more often than not is the subsequent co-partner to that if the co-main event is that then who do you think is going to have the best main events of the weekend so i'll take that one first um that one ironically enough i think actually goes to ksw uh i think the putinowski versus bombardier fight is going to be fucking crazy uh, i can't officially confirm because i've not been in either of their camps so I don't know what supplements they may or may not be taking or where they may be supplementing their protein intake from. What I will say, though, is that whatever it is and wherever it's coming from, both of those guys are on all of it. And it's going to be fun. It's not going to be technical. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be at least worth the time to find that stream while it's on it will give you that much joy in your life at least times two in my opinion if nothing else you will laugh as long as the fight lasted after the fight is over for having watched said fight and that i think is the real value oh all i can say about that fight is look you get the world's strongest man there that's worth a watch right there in itself i'm glad to see he came back to fight again but yeah that's what i said he's he didn't have to come back the first one wasn't anything impressive it was no reason there weren't fans banging down his door like oh please fight again so that shows that he at least has a little interest so i'm like hey you know (laughs) yeah Uh, but as as of what's out there right look it's, I definitely don't give two flying fucks about watching a catchweight fight. Although I will say this is going to be, like you said earlier, the one time I do give Marvin Vittori a fucking pass where I'll actually root for him to stomp a mud hole in Paul Acosta for fucking coming in crybaby. I need to catch weight. And he's still losing 20% of his purse. So good on them for doing that. But to be quite honest, I'm ready to watch uh, Fedor's fucking retirement fight because uh, d- look, whether he beats Tim Johnson or not, which he probably will, because Tim Johnson's mustache doesn't save him from everything, even though it does a lot. Uh, just knowing that Fedor said, this is going to be my last one and I'm done. That's worth it in itself. And it's the at home in Moscow. Let's fucking go, man. Why, why, why else would you not tune into that? That's a legend of the sport retiring at home. Win, lose, or draw. That's a good reason to watch. So uh, I, I will give you an asterisk. He said there's a chance. He didn't confirm. He said there's a chance this might be my last fight. But knowing Fedor and the fact that he's in fucking Russia and the fact that he handpicked Timothy Johnson, I'm right there with you. I have a feeling he's probably going to put those fucking gloves down in Moscow and not pick him back up. You're right. How it he is. did say the chance, but I am putting words in his fucking mouth because I know it's coming. If you're yeah. fighting at home and he knows he's on the back night and of his career, he's walking towards the clubhouse at this point. 
he fucking knows he's retiring as much as I love Fedor and what he's done for the sport going all the way back to the fucking pride days. OG as fuck. Yes. Look, he, he's, he's as OG as they come. And I really wish that they somehow would have came to terms with him to bring him into the UFC. Cause that whole heavyweight picture in the UFC would have been a whole lot different. Very, very undeniably. I it is what it is, but yeah. Although, yeah. definitely though, I will say the asterisk for that. Um, I well, not the asterisk, but the definite um, honorable mention to me definitely goes to KSW because man, watching a bunch of juiced out, roided out, fucking um, who can lift the strong, heaviest weight, duke it out in the most terrible fashion because there's no fucking goddamn <laughs> form at all it's just no, it's, it's gonna back. be a sloppy sloppy event for sure it, it's gonna be the epitome of um when you're watching old school wrestling here it's a slobber knocker yeah it's that yes, yes definitively that's a great fucking word for it it's sure the fuck is gonna be a slobber knocker i completely agree so ironically enough in that vein for our round three question here uh since we're all pretty fucking sure that this is going to be fedor's last fight he went so far as to bring bellator all the fucking way to russia he hand-picked timothy johnson of all the fighters in the goddamn world timothy fucking johnson he picks to fight in russia for what may be his last fight. I say in air quotes for those of you listening. Um, my question, after seeing the weigh-ins this afternoon, now that they have officially faced off and Tim Johnson shaved his goddamn mustache, does he have the curse of the mullet effect on his front mullet? Is he destined to lose to Fedor in Fedor's likely retirement fight now that he took off the lip shield? Or is he going to be just fine because of it? I have to go out right away. I say he loses. It, don't get me wrong. He's coming off a loss off of, uh, from fucking Moldovsky um, that he just lost in June, so four fucking months ago. But prior to that, he was on a three-fight fucking win streak or four-fight win streak, three-fight win streak. So he wasn't looking bad, but he was also fighting other aged fighters. I mean, Tyrell Fortune, Matt Mitrion, Czech Congo, those guys. So, I mean, but fighting a new age fighter, yeah, there's a chance, but I doubt it. Not with a fucking, we know what Fader is capable of, no matter how old he is, even in his last fucking round out he still looked pretty goddamn good i mean yeah. and that was don't get me wrong it was against an aged fucking was his last fight was what fucking rampage i think rampage. Like two years ago yeah. and his last loss prior to that was fucking uh ryan bader which from uh, uh, that knocked out but yeah it is what it is uh, but yeah as far as that's concerned though I think the losing of the mustache is not a good way to go out, especially in Russia. You, you got to go in there with that American muscle mustache. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, you go in there, like, with that giant fucking handlebar, you rock that bitch with style. So Exactly. 
Although I guess Rocky didn't have a fucking mustache. Yeah, but I mean, them fucking Philly boys to see how they turn out. Yeah, a little bit different. <laughs> right. That being said, though. <clears throat> flip that all the fucking way around here. I'm looking at it the opposite way here. Uh, I think Tim Johnson didn't want to get his picture taken in Russia with that giant handlebar mustache after he beats Fedor. I, I think he fucked up and he got scared and, and he shaved it down. Uh, I think, but in shaving it down, now he doesn't stand out as much. Now he almost looks like Fedor. So now when the event's over, after he knocks Fedor the fuck out in Russia and will need to get the fuck out of Dodge quickly, it'll be easier for him to do that because now he has the option of putting on one of those sets of sunglasses with the, the fake hanging mustache and it won't look like him anymore because now everyone will be looking for a clean shaven Timothy Johnson as he boards that train and finds the vodka on his way to get the fuck out of Moscow after just toppling their fucking superhero. Oh, that's a hell of a story. That that's almost up there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, uh, we know that there are other fairly plausible, similar renditions of options to play out in Russia. So yeah, this I mean, is true. <laughs> There's even movies that get made about that shit. That's right, or at least animated specials. That's right. <laughs> Oh, so, okay, so for our round four, um, we're kind of sticking in the what the fuck are we stuck with this weekend vein. Um, I am curious. Uh, I, I'm pretty certain I know the answer on both sides here, but I'm going to ask it as the question anyway here. We have got a fucking dumpster fire of a main event from the UFC here made even more so by the shit show that has unfolded and now turning into a catch weight. So my question for round four, do you think Costa will make 195? Coming in at 214 a week out at the PI, even those fucking magicians have got their work cut out for them. But do you think they can do it. Do you think he can get down? So I'll take this one first. I think this is going to be one of those situations where he's going to pretend he can't do it. I'm not 100% certain he actually was 214. I know he was over. They said uh, at the PI, they saw him at 211 uh, on Wednesday or on, on Tuesday rather. So he, he was over 200 fucking pounds with less than a week to go, even negotiating down to 195. He's still looking at cutting, you know, 18 ish pounds on a good, on a good day. I think he's going to be able to just barely get there, but I think he's going to get there. However, I don't think it's going to help him. I think because he started so fucking big, so fucking late that this is going to, cut him so much harder than any other weight cut has before and I think a Vittori who is clearly ready for it is going to wreck him extra because of it so 
uh, I'm pretty sure we, we know where you're going to go with this, but I will ask you officially anyway, sir, uh, seeing as how this shit show has turned into a rolling shit show now with our catch weight fucking claws. Uh, do you think Costa can even make it to 195 by tomorrow morning? Well, being as they just signed the catch weight today, weighing is tomorrow. He's got to drop 20 pounds. There's no chance in fucking hell that that big I drank a bottle of wine fucking oversized cocksucker who apparently doesn't want to take fights seriously with uh, look, this is going to hurt coming out of my mouth with a very dangerous Marvin Vittori. God, that fucking hurt. Oh, hang on. Pause my timer. Uh, you got it. You got it. I'll, I'll give you an allotted minute here for that. I just I wanted to see I wanted to just let that happen naturally. I didn't want to encourage it. <laughs> there we go. I had to get All that right. horse shit out of my mouth. Okay. Um yeah. Cutting 20 pounds in 24 hours now that it's actually officially signed. There's not a not a skeleton chance in hell. I bet what happens, he'll go, he'll weigh in. I bet he misses by at least four pounds. Interesting. You think he's going to be stuck at 200, huh? Yeah, I think we. I think he's stuffs at 200. And if he goes anything over that, we know that five-pound limit, they'll just cancel the fucking oh, fight, time. period. So I have a feeling there's a strong fight. That might not be the main event. We might have a Grant Dawson-Ricky Glenn main event, which would be the worst fucking main event in USC history. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, last weekend's going to be hard to top, but yeah, this could do it. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> bad. Oh no, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I will give you that. You're absolutely right that there is there is a genuine chance that he might come in. He might step onto that fucking scale at 200 pounds, and if he does, there's no fucking way they'll let him fight at this point. He was originally contracted for 185, then fucking catch weighted to 195. He shows up at 201. They're gonna nix that whole goddamn thing, and then we're gonna have to watch five fucking rounds of Grant Dawson versus fucking Ricky Glenn. Uh, they won't move that to five rounds. It'll be a three-round main event for the first time in a long fucking time. Guaranteed. Yeah, they'll bellator it, I bet. Oh, Because yeah, on twenty with less than 24 hours notice, there's no way that the athletic commission will fucking agree to them going five. But time will tell. We'll know tomorrow, depending on how costly. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll, we'll know before days. too fucking long, yeah. That motherfucker better be sitting in the goddamn sauna as we speak. Right, with no fucking wine, asshole. Yeah, just because it's a diuretic doesn't mean you're gonna <clears throat> wait. Right. So, uh, as we generally tend to do around here, uh, with the the question for round five, which generally is needed, um, we like to go a little outside the box here, and we kind of stuck with all stuff going on or related to this weekend's topics for our first four. So for our question five here, I'm going to step a little bit outside of the, the events taking place this weekend into something that's uh, a little more substantial in the MMA world overall here. So we didn't talk about it in the news segment of the show, because I I'm kind of curious as to how it's going to play out before I give it any coverage of my time, at least. Um, but we found out this week that uh, former UFC fighter Erwin Rivera, who attacked and stabbed both of his sisters earlier in the year, was 
released from custody this week completely waiting for his trial um under supervision uh state custody uh basically in-house probation and a met excuse me a medication regimen but he has officially been diagnosed with severe bipolar disorder um with violent tendencies that being said um in part of him being released from custody, they said that on this regiment of supervision, check-ins, and medication, that he should be able to get back to what was a normal life. And his response was, they told me I can go back to MMA, so I want to get back in the UFC. I am no way trying to use this as an excuse to kick a man while he's down, but I am genuinely curious here in this situation where we saw someone who was in the combat sports world who fought for a living legitimately have a mental break and stab his sisters thinking that he killed them and saying that the Lord told him to do that, that that was his purpose. That in a matter of a couple of months and a couple of pills, with somebody looking over him, should he be allowed back into MMA? That's, I mean, it's, it's not an easy topic, but it's, it's something that should be talked about because it's something that we as fans have a say in to a degree. So I think it would make for a good round five here. So you want to go first here? Or you want to rate this one out? I'll take it. I don't mind this one. Although it's kind of hard to break down in a minute, but I'm going to try. Because, um, look, with that type of mental illness, it doesn't matter what fucking medication you're on. Those medications that they prescribe for those specific types of mental illnesses, all they do is hold it at bay. It doesn't stop it. So there is no rhyme, no reason where anybody who is in that type of mental shape should be anywhere near a fucking octagon. Period. They shouldn't even be allowed to train, in my own personal opinion. Why are you going to give somebody who has that kind of... Uh, fuck. What's the word I want to use here? Uh, I don't want to say disability because, I mean, it is, but it's not. But that has that kind of illness. Why are you going to give them the weapon? And I'll call it a weapon. The training is a weapon to be able to use to someone who is not trained and not seeing it coming because you don't know that mental illness is there. Until all of a sudden it's too fucking late. So to be quite honest, I think the answer is absolutely not nor should he have the ability to go and train. When they say to live a normal life, they mean go get a fucking job at McDonald's. They mean go fucking work in a factory. Go do something like that. That's a normal life. Being in a multi-million dollar industry where you can get paid to hurt people, that's not a normal life. That is an exception to the fucking rule. So no, absolutely fucking not. Should not be allowed anywhere near it especially not if you've committed a crime, albeit under the mental illness that you had at the time, it is still a fucking crime. Look, 
I'm I'm one of those terrible fucking people where look, plead insanity all you want. Go to an insane asylum for the rest of your life. Have a mental illness, commit a crime. Go sit in a mental facility until they deem you're fucking physically ready to go. But do not allow them anywhere near somebody that they can harm by any way, shape or form. And that means knowingly harm, knowing that they're going to get into a fight. No, get the fuck out of here. Granted, I'm glad he's getting the help he needs and the medication he needs. I want to put that out there very clearly, but at the same time, no, fuck that. Get the fuck away from the octagon. Any gym that allows him to train should be fucking shut down, period. I could definitely see that. I can definitely see that for sure. So, um, it is a lot that's crunched down into a minute. I agree, but it, it is important as well. Uh, I I do agree though. Uh, I think this is a situation that that makes us look at it in a couple different ways. Um, but the important thing is that the the thing about combat sports that most of us love so much is the fact that despite that it's literally combat. It's as safe as you can do it, possibly, and still do it. Uh, it's the same reason that some of us who vape uh, use mechanical mods. Uh, this is technically a dangerous thing, but we do it as safely as you can do something dangerous. Uh, I feel like MMA is, is respected so much because of that exact thing. And in this situation where we just don't know if this regiment of medication and supervision and things are going to keep him on the straight and narrow and someone who has done something literally violent in this situation who is now semi-trained to begin with i i don't think we can bring that back into the world of combat sports despite what the regiment and the routine might legitimately do for him which could benefit very much so i think at this point bringing him back negates that thing that so much of us love MMA for. And that's the fact that they're doing something dangerous as safely as they can and bringing him back into that picture removes another level of safety that there's no way to counteract. And I do, because I know there's always a chance I, I do want it to be known. I didn't pick this as the last question and I know TJ didn't give his answer that way either, but I, I didn't want to use this as a chance to shit on this guy or the chance to, to kick a man when he's down by any stretch of the imagination. But this is a serious situation. And this is a name that was fairly household recognizable at the time. He was on his way up. He had a future. And then he fucking stabbed his sisters. And he said that God told him in his head to do it. Like this isn't something that should or can be taken lightly. And I don't want this to come off as us trying to, to talk down on him or to shit on him, but uh, just that, this is there's different reasons, but I think we both agree that this isn't something that you can just go, oh, well, it happened and he deserves a second chance for it. like this is some serious shit. And it's going to impact the MMA world because he no doubt is going to try in the next week, two weeks to get into an MMA gym somewhere. He's made it known that his intention is to get back into MMA to try and get back to the UFC. So he, he's going to try. The question is, how does it play out? And obviously, we don't do this because we want anything bad to happen, but I also want people to understand that there's a reason why we have this opinion. 
it's not just that we don't want to see a dude who fucked up get a second chance. Like, there's more to it than that. We might be meatheads, but we're semi-intellectual meatheads sometimes. You know, this one does swing back around to one other thing. This goes along with any time that any, it doesn't matter what fighter it is, whether they have a mental illness or not, don't get me wrong. It, you have to have a little bit of mental illness to be a professional fighter, period. Okay. Agreed. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. But in this situation, it's different. And I'm not shitting on him because of the mental illness he has, not by any means. But I look at it this way this is the same thing as if you harm anyone else outside of someone in the octagon or that you're training with. And look, we know injuries happen when training because guys get overhyped and whatever. I mean, Look at the way fucking Sean Strickland fucking um, gets ready for fights. You could see somebody possibly getting hurt in this gym. But um, I'm talking mainly they assault someone outside of a gym. They beat their spouses. Those types of people that literally are committing crimes by injuring people. And this goes to include fucking Conor McGregor. Fucking John Jones, those cocksuckers should not have the capability to come back and fight. Look, I like all those guys for what they've done, but they shouldn't be allowed to compete. To include some fucking Voldemort cocksuckers that are still in who beat their spouse prior to even getting a contract with the UFC. Why they're fighting with them, I don't know. I grouped them all in the same because they're all committing fucking crimes where there is assault in place or they're hurting someone else. That's not in a fucking fight, not in a sanctioned fight. You don't get to do that and still be a professional fighter, in my opinion. I think all those motherfuckers should be removed from the sport because it's a bad look. Look, if we go back to when this started, they were calling it human cockfighting, period. Literally, literally, yeah, 100%. And this does not help the image of the sport when you're allowing people who commit crimes, albeit under mental illness or not to come back and fight. It's just not a good look. So the whole, I just think it's fucking terrible. And I, and like I said, I don't want to shit on the guy cause I know he's got a mental illness, but at the same time, you fucked up, make amends, but don't think about coming back to my favorite sport. Or one of my favorite sports. Uh, it's, I have a toss up here, but either way, still, um, you don't come back to my sport, period. Fuck right off in the nicest way possible and get the necessary mental care that you need. Right. Well, and, and I was going to say, and, and that's the point that I want to end on here with, with this topic. It's regardless of how we feel about him coming back or not coming back to MMA, I, I 100% guarantee that we are absolutely in agreement that regardless of what the future holds, we genuinely hope that he does get the help that he needs, period. Regardless of what else that entails, if he ever makes it back to MMA or not, I don't give a shit. The one thing I do want to say is that we do genuinely hope he gets the help that he obviously needs. But that being said, we are going to go ahead and call it all for this particular episode here. So before we take it all the way on out of here, I do want to thank Golf tea for making it this evening. I'm sure the kid's going to have a story for us next week. But with that being said, between now and then, 
if folks need directions on how to get themselves some tasty, delicious fried cheese curds, or maybe directions on how to find themselves a Kenosha Crippler up there, how can they get a hold of you after the show, sir? Wednesday nights, right here on the YouTubes, 9.30 Central Time. I'm, of course, here every Thursday. And then I also have a small message for the kid, being as he is um, jumped out again. I still own you. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for your time, sir. Much appreciated. Um, that being said, uh, if you do enjoy the shenanigans and shit talking we get up to around here on the I'm No Joe podcast, you can catch us on pretty much all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all at I'm No Joe. Uh, if you want this video version of the show live pretty much every Thursday night, 930-ish Central Time, YouTube.com slash I'm No Joe is when we kick off. Uh, if, on the other hand, you are tired of these mugs, I get you as well. Anchor.fm slash I'm No Joe for the all audio video free version of the show comes out a week after the fact. Still there for you. If you enjoy what we do around here, which is clearly too fucking raw for OnlyFans. You can still support what we get up to around here at Patreon.com slash I'm No Joe. It not only helps us do what we do. It gives you access to the behind the scenes, the unaired and the literally unairable things that we have gotten from this channel up for you as a reward for helping to support us. If you like what we do, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. Make sure your notifications are turned on on all platforms that are available. We appreciate you for that. On the other hand, if you think we are just a couple of dipshits talking out our ass, why the fuck are you this deep into the video? Just give us a thumbs down and fuck off already. We're not going to dispute it. We obviously earned it. That being said, that's all we've got for this particular episode. So remember, boys and girls, don't let ignorance stop you. You can root for anything. Let's go, Brandon. Good job.